Here's Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont making his pitch to voters on January 26th in Sioux City, Iowa, ahead of the Iowa caucuses on February 3rd. The following audio comes from the Sanders campaign's YouTube channel. The man of the hour, Senator Bernie Sanders. City, thank you. Whoa. What a fantastic turnout. Thank you all very much for coming out. And when I look at the size of this crowd, I am absolutely convinced that a week from Monday we make history, we win the Iowa caucus. Let me begin by thanking Michael Moore. And I want you to know what you already know, that Michael is one of the great filmmakers in the modern history of this country. He has taken film in a direction that very, very few directors have gone. He has raised issues which the corporate media chooses not to deal with. He has taken on powerful special interest that the vast majority of filmmakers will never go near. So I just want to thank Michael for the extraordinary work he has done and for his help in this campaign. And what can we say about Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Let me just say, I've been in Congress for a few years, Mm, more than a few years, and I cannot recall any single first-term member of Congress having more of an impact on American society than has Alexandria. She is inspiring working people and young people and people of color and women all across this country. She is getting people involved in the political process who have never been involved. There is nothing more important than that. Alexandria, thank you for all that you're doing. Now, I think all of you know Uh, that my day job is being a United States Senator from the great state of Vermont. Thank you. And in the capacity of being a United States Senator, uh, I am exercising my constitutional responsibility of being a juror in the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump. So what that means is that tonight I will be on a plane going back to D.C. 
Tomorrow I will be listening and participating in the impeachment process, and we're doing that on Tuesday. We're doing that on Wednesday. We're doing that on Thursday. And the truth is, nobody really knows the schedule, but I suspect it will go on for much of the week. We will try, and, and I, what I want to say is that the campaign schedule that we had originally designed had us here in Iowa this whole week doing three or four events every single day, getting all over the state. Well, I can't do that now because I got a constitutional responsibility and unlike the President of the United States, I actually believe in the Constitution. So I'm going to do my job, which means that I will not be here in Iowa as often in the coming eight days as I would like. And in that regard, what I want to say, and why I believe we're going to win, is that we have put together in this state the most extraordinary grassroots movement that I think Iowa has ever seen. We have, and I want to thank all of you and people who are not here, people all over this state, for going out on bitter cold days and nights and knocking on doors we have knocked on many, many hundreds of thousands of doors. That's what we do. Alexandria has talked about a grassroots movement that is exactly what we are doing right here in Iowa. And at the end of the day, and this is what I have believed my whole political life, is TV ads are important, and we're doing them. Radio ads are important. Newspaper ads are important. All that stuff is important. But at the end of the day, what is most important is person-to-person -person contact. What is most important is saying hello to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your friend, and say, you know what? This is why I'm supporting Bernie Sanders. Ask me any question that you want. Let's discuss what's going on in America. Let's discuss where we have got to go from here. And don't complain. Come out and vote on caucus night. And we're going to win this because there is no campaign that is mounting the kind of grassroots movement that we here are doing in Iowa. We're doing the same thing in New Hampshire. We're doing it in Nevada. We're doing it in South Carolina. We're doing it in California. We are mounting this grassroots, unprecedented, multi-generational, multi-racial movement in a way nobody has ever seen. So that's why I am feeling good. I am feeling good about Iowa, and I'm feeling good about other states. And I can, you can tell how good I feel by how nervous the establishment is getting. <laughs> Suddenly, Donald Trump is talking about our campaign. Suddenly, the Republican National Committee is tweeting about our campaign. Suddenly, we have the Democratic establishment very nervous about this campaign. 
We got Wall Street nervous. We got the insurance companies nervous. We got the drug companies nervous. We got the fossil fuel industry nervous. We got the military industrial complex nervous. We got the prison industrial complex nervous. We got billionaires going on television crying that they're going to have to start paying their fair share of taxes. And they're starting to think, could this really happen? Could there really be a political movement in America which brings together blacks and whites and Latinos and Asian Americans and Native Americans, gay and straight, to stand up as working class people fighting for change. We are their worst nightmare. This is their nightmare on Elm Street. And the reason we're going to win is not only that we're bringing people together. It's not only that we have an unprecedented grassroots movement. I'll give you one example. I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but I want to give you just one example. All of you know that what politics used to be about is establishment candidates representing the wealthy and the powerful would say they're running for office, then they go to rich people's homes and they raise all kinds of money and that would be their game. They get to hire these consultants to put TV ads on and that's that. By the way, we don't have any consultants on our TV ads. We're doing it in-house, just to pass. That's the way it used to be. We have changed the rules of the game. We have revolutionized how campaigns are funded. And I am enormously proud to tell you, not only that we have so many people knocking on doors, that's extraordinary, but to fund our campaign, we don't have a super PAC. We don't go to rich people's homes to raise money. What we have seen happen in this campaign is we have raised more campaign contributions from more Americans averaging $18 a contribution than any candidate in the history of the United States of America. So we don't need billionaires' money. We don't need a super PAC. We are being funded by the working families of this country. You know what profession, as it happens, is the major source of our funding where we get more money from any other profession? It's God, you knew that. Thank you, teachers. And we are getting, we helped, we helped workers at Amazon get a $15 an hour minimum wage. And Amazon workers are contributing to our campaign. Disney workers are contributing to our campaign. So that is something that I'm just very, very proud of. So we're going to win because we have very strong grassroots support, not only here in Iowa, not only in New Hampshire, but all across this country. But the second reason we're going to win is we have the agenda that is 
the agenda of the working families of this country, an agenda that says we are prepared to stand up to the greed and corruption of the corporate elite. And what our agenda is about is not complicated. You know, you just think about what we need to do in this country, and that's what our agenda is. Here in Iowa, I have talked to countless people who are earning starvation wages, and that's just the fact. Talked to a woman in Des Moines not so long ago, making $10.15 an hour raising three kids. Can't raise three kids on ten fifteen an hour. You can't raise a family on $11 or $12 an hour. And that is why we believe that in the United States of America, if you work 40 hours a week, you should not live in poverty. We're going to raise that federal minimum wage 15 bucks an hour. What we believe is, is grossly unfair that women in America earn 79 cents on the dollar compared to men. Equal pay for equal work. I have perhaps, perhaps the strongest lifetime pro-union voting record in the United States Congress. I have walked on picket lines for 30 years. That's what I do. And I believe that in its president, what we will do is make it easier for workers to join in unions so that at the end of four years, we're going to double union membership in America. Everybody in America who gets into their car knows that we have an infrastructure which is crumbling. Everybody knows that. Our roads and our bridges, water systems, wastewater plants. We lack affordable housing in America. We have schools that are falling apart. That is why what we will do is invest heavily in rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure and create millions of good-paying union jobs when we do that. When you talk about an agenda that works for working people, that means you have to rethink the way we do education in America. That means we need, in America, universal, high-quality, affordable childcare for every working family in this country. It means that instead of giving tax breaks to billionaires, we're going to greatly expand funding for low-income Title I schools in America, triple funding. Because we believe that all kids in this country deserve a quality education regardless of the zip code and the community that you live in. And when we talk about education, and these are not radical ideas. You know, sometimes my opponents say Bernie is an extremist. He's so radical. None of this stuff is radical. It is not radical 
to say that in America, every kid who has the ability and the desire, regardless of his or her income, should be able to get a higher education. Not a radical idea. And what that means is we will make public colleges and universities tuition free. And when you think big and not small, and when you begin to think about what a government can do that represents working families, ask yourself, how could it happen that 12 years ago, Congress, against my vote, bailed out the crooks on Wall Street whose illegal behavior nearly destroyed our economy? They got a bailout. They got trillions of dollars of zero interest loans. How could it be that two years ago, amidst massive income and wealth inequality, where three people now own more wealth than the bottom half of America, Congress under Trump gave the 1% and large profitable corporations a trillion dollars in tax breaks? Well, if Congress can give a trillion dollars in tax breaks to people who don't need it, so that Amazon, a massively profitable corporation owned by the wealthiest guy in America, ends up not paying a nickel in federal income tax. If we can give tax breaks to billionaires and large corporations, you know what we can do? We can cancel all student debt in America. My point that I'm making here, the point that I want to make is despite what my critics will tell you, none of this stuff is radical. None of it is extreme. This is simply an agenda that works for working families, not the 1%. You want to know radical? Radical is giving tax breaks to billionaires. Radical is bailing out crooks on Wall Street. Radical is putting hundreds of billions of dollars in subsidies and tax breaks for the fossil fuel industry while they destroy the planet. That's radical. And I'll tell you what else is not radical. For over a hundred years in America, we have had presidents going way back to Teddy Roosevelt, going to FDR, going to Harry Truman, going to Lyndon Johnson, going to Barack Obama, going to other presidents who have said that all Americans are entitled to health care. That is not a radical idea. All of you know we are the only major country on earth that does not guarantee health care to all people. We are the only one. And yet, and yet, we are spending twice as much per person on health care as do the countries in Europe or Canada. We're spending $11,000 for every man, woman, and child. So let me be very clear. The function of a rational and humane health care system is not to make 
insurance companies and drug companies rich. It is to provide quality care for all. And that is why after a hundred years of talk, our administration will lead this country forward to a Medicare for all single payer program. We will end the absurdity, we will end the absurdity of spending twice as much as any other country and yet have 87 million Americans uninsured or underinsured. And by underinsured, many of you have $5,000 deductible, $10,000 deductible. You're asked to pay a whole lot of money out of pocket that you cannot afford to pay. 30,000 people in America every year die because they don't get to a doctor on time. Furthermore, what is really also incredibly cruel, and I want you to think about it and understand how dysfunctional and cruel this system is. Some 500,000 Americans each year go bankrupt because of medically related debt. What that means in English, now I want you to think about this. Somebody goes to the doctor, they get diagnosed with cancer. Person has got to think, okay, what doctor will I go to? What kind of treatment? What kind of medicine do they need? They're fighting for their lives, and then in the midst of all of this, their families are facing financial ruin. In America, under our healthcare system, People will not suffer financial ruin because they've been diagnosed with cancer or heart disease or Alzheimer's. That is a disgrace. That is an absolute disgrace. Should not be happening in America. What Medicare for all means is we're going to end and again, this is not a radical idea. It exists in virtually every other major country. We're going to end all premiums. No one's going to have to pay 1000 bucks a month or 1500 bucks a month gone. We're going to end co-payments so you don't have to come up with 50 or 100 bucks when you go to the doctor's office. And if you don't have that 100 bucks, you can't go to the doctor. We're going to end the insane concept of deductible. We're going to end out-of-pocket expenses. And the other thing we're going to do is we're building on the most popular health insurance program in America today, which is Medicare. Medicare is a strong program, but it's not strong enough. So what we do is expand Medicare to cover dental care, to cover hearing aids, to cover eyeglasses, and to also cover home health care so people could stay at home, not be forced into a nursing home. Now, people say to me, well, Bernie, how are you going to fund it? And that's a fair question. And I say to them, tell me about how we fund the current dysfunctional system. 
Tell me if you think it's right that people are paying $1,000 a month for premiums. Tell me if you think it's right that people have to fork out the first $5,000 or $10,000 of health care bills because of their deductibles. Tell me if you think it's right that we pay, in some cases, 10 times more for the prescription drugs we need than people in other countries for the same exact medicine. So we have a, a mechanism to fund Medicare for all. We have a number of options out there. But the bottom line is that after we eliminate premiums, out-of-pocket expenses, co-payments, and deductibles, and after we take on the drug companies so that nobody in America will have to pay more than $200 a year for their prescription drugs, after all of that, the average working family will pay substantially less for comprehensive health care than they're paying today. I want to touch on another subject which is of enormous consequence, and that is we have a president who, for the first time, I guess, in American history, rejects science. I don't know quite how you can help run a country when you don't believe in science. And what this president believes is that climate change is not real. This president is dangerously, dangerously wrong and is endangering the well-being of our kids and future generations. So let me make a not-so-radical promise to you. Are you ready for a not-so-radical promise? I believe in science. And we will listen to the scientists. And here's what the scientists are telling us. What they are telling us is not just that climate change is, of course, real. Everybody except Donald Trump knows that. And not just that it is caused by human behavior and carbon emissions. Everybody knows that. And not just that it is already causing devastating problems in our country and around the world. Everybody with eyes knows that. This is what they are telling us that is scary. What they are telling us is they have underestimated the speed and severity in which climate change is wrecking havoc on our country and the world. They underestimated the speed in which the polar ice caps are melting and the oceans are warming, which means rising sea levels all over the world, which, if we don't get a handle on this, will mean major American cities and countries all over the world inundated. All right? What they have underestimated is the severity of the drought that we will be experiencing, which means that here in Iowa, your farmers will have a shorter growing season, and the nutritional quality of the food they produce will, in fact, deteriorate. And when we talk about drought, take a look at the horror show that is now taking place in the beautiful country of Australia, which is on fire. Take a look at what happened in California over the last year. And what the scientists are telling us, this is what will increasingly happen 
if we do not act. And what they are telling us is that if we don't act boldly, more extreme weather disturbances. A couple of months ago, beautiful city of Venice, Italy, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, underwater. Houston, Texas, underwater because of unprecedented torrential rainfall. Puerto Rico disaster. And on and on it goes. We know that. What they are saying is expect more and more of that. And what the United Nations is telling us is that there will be up to hundreds of millions of climate refugees. You know what that means? That means people who can no longer live in their communities because there's no water to drink, no land to grow the food that they need. They will migrate. And when millions of people migrate, you create enormous international tension and the likelihood of more wars. That is what the scientists are telling us. I have been criticized because I have introduced the most comprehensive and sweeping climate change proposal ever introduced by any candidate running for president. It is a proposal based on the principles of the Green New Deal. It is a proposal which tells the fossil fuel industry that their short-term profits are not more important than the future of our planet. It is a proposal that says as quickly as we humanly can, we're going to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. And I want to congratulate the people of Iowa. You are one of the leaders in this country on wind energy. Congratulations. But we have got to multiply the energy production of sustainable energy many, many times over. The Green New Deal, as we transform our energy system, can create up to 20 million good-paying jobs. But what makes this issue even more complicated than it already is, is that this is not just an American issue. This is a planetary issue. And as President of the United States, what I see my job as is reaching out to people all over the world, to the people in China, which is right now suffering massive pollution problems. People in India, massive pollution problems. Pakistan, Brazil, countries all over the world, and say to those people, maybe, just maybe, instead of spending $1.8 trillion a year on weapons designed to kill each other, why don't we pool our resources and fight our common enemy, which is climate change? This is an issue. I am a father of four and a grandfather of seven beautiful kids. This is an issue we cannot run away from. We cannot deny it. We have got to confront it and we have the capability. We have the scientists, we have the energy, we have the skilled workforce in this country to lead the world 
in transforming our global energy system and saving the planet. That is our moral necessity. And when we talk about a moral agenda, we are talking about the need to fundamentally reform a broken and racist criminal justice system. This is the richest country in the world. We should not have more people in jail than any other country, including communist China, four times our size. What we will be doing, what our administration will do, working with some of the best expertise in the country, is we will be investing in our young people in jobs and education rather than jails and incarceration. We are going to end private prisons and detention centers in America because corporations should not make money locking up fellow Americans. And brothers and sisters, not everybody may agree with me, but what I believe is the time is long overdue to end the so-called war on drugs. This is a war which has disproportionately impacted the African-American community, the Latino community, the Native American community. And what we have got to do is finally legalize marijuana in every state in this country. And that and that a president of the United States can do through executive order. That is an executive order that I will promulgate. Just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, I got a question. How many people here know of someone who was arrested for possession of marijuana? Please raise your hand. This is why we have to end the war on drugs. Do you see that number of hands going here? So what we are going to do is not only legalize marijuana in every state, we're going to expunge the records of those who have been arrested for possession of marijuana. And when we talk about reforming broken systems, at the top of our list has got to be fundamental reform of a broken immigration system. On my first day in office, through executive order, we will repeal all of Trump's racist immigration executive orders. We will restore the legal status of the 1.8 million young people and their parents eligible for the DACA program. We will fundamentally change our border policies so that federal agents will never again, in your name, snatch babies from the arms of their mothers 
And when we talk about issues that impact all of us, whether we're conservative, progressive, Republican, Democrat, all of us get sickened when we turn on the TV and learn about another mass shooting and understand how many people are killed every year because of gun violence. So let me simply say this. Our gun policy will be determined by the American people, not the NRA. And that means universal background checks. That means ending the gun show loophole. That means ending the so-called straw man provision. And what that also means, and where the American people are now, is understanding that we've got to end the sale and distribution of assault weapons in America. You know, as a United States Senator, I hear a lot of speeches on the floor of the Senate uh, from my conservative Republican colleagues. And very often their mantra is about small government. They believe in small government. They believe in getting the government off the backs of the American. They believe in freedom. You do what you want to do. Well, if you believe in freedom, if you believe in getting the government off the backs of the people, please understand that it is women in this country who have the right to control their bodies, not politicians. So my promise to you is we will move forward to codify Roe v. Wade into legislation that I will never nominate anybody to the Supreme Court or the federal bench who is not 100% pro Roe v. Wade. So there are a lot of issues that are out there, more than I haven't discussed. But we are where we are right now in 2020, which is the year that will hold the most consequential election in the modern history of this country, or perhaps the history of America. This is an election which will determine whether we become an autocratic society with a president who believes he is above the law and above the Constitution, or whether we move forward to create a vibrant democracy of one person, one vote. This is an election which says we will continue a dysfunctional and cruel healthcare system or create a healthcare system that guarantees healthcare to all people as a human right. This is an election which will either turn its back on the existential crisis of climate change or be an election in which the United States leads the world in combating climate change. So this is an enormously consequential election, and it all begins in Iowa a week from tomorrow. Now, I have been all over the state. 
We've had about 100 meetings like this, and I have been deeply impressed by how seriously the people of Iowa accept their unique responsibility of going first. I know that many of you have gone to many meetings, not just here, you've heard from other candidates, you're trying to assess which candidate is best for you and best for the country. Well, I, and I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you're taking your responsibility seriously. And the country, I think, is proud of how you are doing that. My plea to you, my humble request, is that a week from tomorrow night, you come out to caucus, and as Alexandria said, bring your friends, bring your family, bring as many people as you can. Because if we win here in Iowa, and with your help, we have an excellent chance to win here in Iowa, we'll win in New Hampshire. And if we win in New Hampshire, we're going to win in Nevada. And if we win in Nevada, we're going to do damn well in South Carolina, we're going to win in California. In other words, in other words, it all starts here a week from Monday night. So I am asking for your support. And let me just wrap it up by saying this. We will very early in the evening know exactly what is going to happen. If the voter turnout is small and low, we lose. If the voter turnout is high, we're going to win. Because what Michael, Michael Moore and Alexandria were talking about is what our campaign is reaching out to new voters, to working class people who have given up on the political process, to Latino voters who may not have voted in the past, to young people who for the first time are going to get engaged in the electoral system. If the voter turnout is high, we win. My plea to you is let us, a week from tomorrow night, have the largest voter turnout in Iowa caucus history. Thank you all very much.